You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, the podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps, I'm delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I don't know if you noticed, but there is a common thread running through quite a number of my recent communications, whether that be, for example, how we finished up last week's podcast episode, or indeed last Thursday's short Thursday morning video. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about in relation to those Thursday morning videos, you are missing out on something because I've been sending out a short video and you know they're only three or four minutes long i've been sending out a short video a quick tip and a reflection every thursday morning since december 2008 as of this week there are 847 videos online a lot of them are on youtube as well if you want to subscribe to me on youtube very often people will say to me God, you're reading my mind. That's exactly what I needed to hear at this moment in time. And of course, that is something that we describe in a number of uh, our conversations as synchronicity. Now, we know that synchronicity is a meaningful opportunity. That's actually possibly a nice summation of what synchronicity actually is. A number of people talk about synchronicity as signposts. This is the way forward. This is the piece of information you need at this moment in time on your journey. Here is the person that you need to bump into at this juncture, at this crossroads at which you find yourself. And of course, people very often come to me because they find themselves at a crossroads in life, perhaps in their career, perhaps in the relationship. But the truth of the matter is that we're at a crossroads all of the time. It's just we don't know it because we're not alert enough to what is going on. And as I've said to so many people over the last 28 years, we don't get to make the big choices in life until we get the little choices in life right. And you have a fundamental choice to make right now. Am I looking after myself? Am I doing what it takes to be present in the moment? Now, before we go any further, let me clarify what I mean by present in the moment, because an awful lot of people seem to think that that is some kind of Zen-like state of mind or some kind of altered state of mind to which we should aspire. No, present in the moment means you've turned up to your own life. It's awfully simple. Uh, the awfully harsh truth is that most people don't turn up to their lives in the here and now because they're buried in their own thoughts. And being buried in their own thoughts, they're completely missing the reality of the present moment and their lives are passing them by without them even being aware of it. Never mind without them noticing it. They're not even aware that this is a fact of life when we use our minds normally. When we do turn up to our lives, we start noticing stuff. I recollect a conversation that I had a number of years ago with a client, a very good friend of mine at the time as well. And I worked with him for a couple of days, one-to-one in his offices in Fitzwilliam Square in Dublin. If you're from Dublin, you'll know what I'm talking about, an elegant Georgian square in Dublin too. And on our second day together, 
I asked him to go out for a walk after lunch. I gave him a specific instructions uh, you'll be aware of what i'm about to say because there is an exercise actually it's an exercise that Thich Nhat han explains beautifully in his little book the miracle of mindfulness i hadn't read the book at the time i just happened to ask him to go out for a walk to see feel hear smell and taste where he is in other words to actually come to his senses to notice what's going on and in doing so, let the thoughts that would normally cloud his vision of the moment, cloud his presence in the moment, block his presence in the moment, to let those thoughts pass by. Now, Thich Han, as it turns out, calls that exercise going for a walk to go for a walk. So my friend David went out for a walk around Fitzwilliam Square. And he came back in about 20 minutes later and he said, I've walked around that square most days for the last seven or eight years and i saw things today that clearly are there all of the time that i never saw before but they're only little things that i noticed and i said to him, never say that nothing is a little thing there's no such thing as a small moment i know moments are quite small in terms of the great sweep of our lives or indeed the sweep of time in this universe but there's no such thing as a small moment. There's no such thing as an insignificant moment because you never know in what moment you're going to spot something that may well have been there all the time, like some of the notices on the railings of the square, Fitzwilliam Square. You never know when you're going to notice something at a moment when it is relevant to you. That's what a synchronicity is, you see. A synchronicity is something that you notice in the here and now that means something to you. In other words, it is a sign of sorts, a signpost, something that you need to stumble across at that moment in time. Now, you probably are saying to yourself, I'm not 100% sure what he's talking about, but pause and reflect on this for a minute. There are people that you have met in your life who have changed the course of your life. You're meeting them, even though they were complete strangers at the time, was a significant now. There are things that you have stumbled across, pieces of information, for example, or an ad for a job at a significant moment in your life. And the significance of the moment was that what happened in that moment changed the course of your life. This stuff is happening to us or for us all of the time most people won't notice it and therefore it has no impact in their lives if you are present in the here and now you'll be aware of everything that's going on and you will be aware of this significant stuff in the moment you won't need to employ hindsight to discover that what you're experiencing is one of these synchronicities you're so tuned in when you're present in the moment that you know in real time what's going on now is significant what is going on now is leading me in a particular direction. And you know what? When you are actually aware of that, the exhilaration of realizing that you're in the midst of the journey adds significantly to what the University of Chicago calls the flow in your life. Suddenly you are in the flow. Now, I don't mean going with the flow. It's an entirely different thing. That's a phrase that normal crazy people use to kind of absolve them of having to do anything oh i'll go with the flow that's not what i'm talking about at all i'm talking about flow 
what athletes call being in the zone, as defined by the University of Chicago. Mihalich had sent me hi, his lovely little book, Flow, if you're interested. I mentioned it a few weeks ago. I mention it again. There are two book recommendations that I've made today, The Miracle of Mindfulness by Thich Nhat Hanh and Flow by Mihalich had sent me hi. Anyway, the point I was making in relation to synchronicity and the need for you to be present in the moment or in plain English to turn up to your own life. It means that not only are you going to notice synchronicities, otherwise known as opportunities that mean something to you, you're going to start creating the synchronicities because of the way in which a present person's energy interacts with the energy of the moment, the energy of one's immediate surroundings, and the energy of the universe itself. If you're interested in looking at that, here's another book recommendation, actually, The Fabric of the Cosmos by a guy called Brian Greene. Now, I've said to a number of people for a book on quantum physics, this is actually quite an accessible read. Nobody has yet come back to me and said, oh, yeah, that was an easy read. But the reason it isn't an easy read is some of the science around how quantum physics now describes how our world really works is literally mind bending. Uh, 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 the world works in a way that we were never taught when we were young and impressionable, we were told we needed to improve ourselves, to better ourselves. That's the whole premise of education. You need to better yourself. You know what that's saying to you in a not too subtle way, the reverse. You're, you're damaged goods and you need to pull yourself together. Otherwise, you're going to tread a rocky road, probably to hell. I didn't say to hell and back, I just said to hell. Now, some people say the language that I'm using now is old fashioned, but you know, the whole idea that we are damaged goods in need of some form of redemption goes back at least 2000 years. And that kind of stuff doesn't come out in the wash overnight. It's still built into us at a deep psychological level. But never mind that aspect of, you know, your in need of some kind of redemption. The whole premise of education, as I said a minute ago, is that you're in need of improvement. You need to better yourself. Indeed, the whole premise of personal development, just think of what those two words actually mean. I need to develop myself. Same goes for self-improvement. Same goes for self-help. Self-help is a really interesting one. Who's helping whom? Are there two of me? Which one of me needs help? Does the one that's offering help know anything about how to offer it? Now, I'm not talking in riddles here. You know that there are two of you. There is the real you. And if you don't turn up to your life or have never been present in the moment, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But you certainly know the second one, the one that's niggling at you all the time, the one that's telling you, no, you can't. The one that is telling you, ah, oh, you're you're unworthy, you're undeserving. That's a really interesting point because I often talk to people about setting their minds. Indeed, we discussed that a few weeks ago, setting your mind to achieve your goals and objectives. And people say, all right, I know what my goals and objectives are, but I don't think I deserve them. Am I undeserving? Am I unworthy? And of course, the whole premise of the way in which we learned who we thought we were when we were young and impressionable I'll rephrase that. 
the whole premise of the way that we were taught when we were young and impressionable to think of who we are because we're still thinking that way if we were using our minds normally the whole premise is that you are unworthy you can't have a good time in this life if you do you'll be seriously disadvantaged in the next life and again you might say to yourself that's old-fashioned language no that is the whole premise of education it is the whole premise of self-help self-development personal growth all that i was going to say good stuff all that bad stuff what you need to do is drop all that nonsense and realize that first of all as i said a minute ago there are two of you really there are two of you one of them you need to drop the one that you need to drop is the one that's causing the rumpus in your own head the one that's fighting with you all the time as i said a minute ago the one that tells you no you can't cognitive psychology has a name for this niggly little git in your head cognitive psychology calls that person the conceptual self now, if I do want to use old fashioned language, I could refer to it as the ego or the personality, but I really do prefer the modern cognitive psychological take on it. It's the conceptual self. What is it? It's a bundle of concepts. Even that is a little flowery for what it really is. It's a set of programmed thoughts that you carry around with you. And those thoughts create the noise in your own head. The stuff that wakes you up at four in the morning, the stuff that gets in your way when you're just about to do something brave and courageous and says, no, you can't do that. Or no, you couldn't say that. What would other people think of you? Or the stuff that says, you know, know your place, stay in your own box, stay in your own comfort zone, regardless of how uncomfortable your comfort zone might be. Where am I going with this? Well, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. I'm picking up on where we left off at the end of last week's episode. And I'm picking up on the subject matter of my short Thursday morning video last Thursday, which was entitled, Who Can You Trust? I said right at the end of last week's podcast episode that the process that we talk about in all of these episodes, the process of developing or redeveloping, actually, I should say, your ability to be present. Again, we'll put it in plain English, your ability to turn up to your own life. The process of doing that through regular meditation is a process of learning to trust yourself. If you don't know, as I said earlier on, right at the beginning of today's episode, if you don't know what I'm talking about in relation to those Thursday morning videos, you can use the link in your podcast player to sign up to get those directly to your inbox every week. Or indeed, you can use the other link in your podcast player to sign up for my current free online training program. Three meaty sessions, followed by a couple of other bits and pieces and exercises. Stuff to enable you more deeply immerse yourself in what we're talking about here and now. And, you know, the more you immerse yourself in this material, and that, by the way, is why I have recommended three books to you in this particular episode. The more that you immerse yourself in this stuff, the more you're going to learn about yourself. You're going to learn nothing about your conceptual self, other than the fact that that person that we 
referred to a minute ago, isn't real. It's a bundle of concepts, a bundle of thoughts. We know from previous conversations that that conceptual self sits at the controls of your life, trying to move your life forward whilst looking out the rear view mirror, causing a car crash. The car crash that is the normal everyday experience of life as people drag themselves through the day, muddle through the day to achieve evolutionary's grand goal of making it through the day. The conceptual self is the part of you that you appeal to when you set your New Year's resolutions. And we're in, what, the first week of February at this stage, and you've probably forgotten what some of your New Year's resolutions were, and the others have fallen by the wayside. Or, if you're normal and crazy, you remember what this year's New Year's resolutions were, because they were the same as last year's, and the year before that, ad infinitum. The conceptual self is the part of our brain, part of our mind, that we appeal to when we say to ourselves, I want to change my life, I want to lose weight, I want to be fit, I want a new job, I want this, that or the other. That's the part of your mind that, as I said a minute ago, looking out the rear view mirror, it's not going to lead you forward. It is constantly, and it is designed this way, to drag you back to the time when you learned the fundamentals about yourself in the first place, when you were young and impressionable. The way the evolved mind works is on autopilot by using the stuff that we learned when we were young and impressionable about ourselves, the stuff that trips us up nowadays, by using that stuff to enable us survive each day and survive from one day to the next. That is not living. And it's not living for two reasons. First of all, the bleeding obvious, surviving isn't living. The second, slightly more subtle point is that if I am surviving, in survival mode on automatic pilot using stuff that I learned when I was young and impressionable, I have not turned up to my life in the here and now. I am missing my life and that is not living. You're as good as dead and in fact you are dead from the neck up. Now people have accused me of being blunt. That's okay, I've no problem with that. This is a message that is so important because it's a matter of life and death. If you're not present in the moment, if you haven't turned up to your life here and now, you are as good as dead. I don't hold with the view that was put to me by one of my clients a number of years ago. You know, if you are one of those people, this is what he said, this, I'm only repeating what he said. If you are one of those 96% of people who don't turn up to their lives, would you please stay at home during rush hour so I can make it to work without you cutting in in front of me in traffic? Everybody deserves a second chance. If people didn't deserve a second chance, people with whom I've worked would never have woken up and would never be living their lives to the full now by virtue of having developed their ability to be present so that they are not just living their lives here and now, but creating the kind of lives that they want here and now. And I said a moment ago that I've been accused on many occasions of, of, over the last 28 years of being blunt. And as I said, I have no problem with that. Hence the blunt message in my Thursday morning video last week, and I got quite a bit of feedback, more than usual, I have to say, 
to that particular video. As I said, it was entitled, Who Can You Trust? And the answer basically was, you can trust nobody. Now, I'm going to qualify that, obviously, in a minute, because otherwise, why would we be sitting here chatting at all? You can trust none of the normal crazy people that you encounter in your life. Now, if the universities of Chicago and Harvard and Tokyo and a few others are right, 96% of people fit that description. People who are using their minds normally, those normal automatic minds, ensuring that they make it through the day whilst looking backwards, albeit subconsciously. I was going to say they're not aware of it. They're not aware of anything because they are living in the past, trying to make sense of the present. If 96% of people don't know what's going on in the here and now, don't know what's going on in their own head because they haven't tuned into it, if 96% of people cannot trust themselves, why should you trust a single one of them? You can't trust anybody who is using their mind normally. Look at their behavior. I talked about cutting out in front of people in traffic a minute ago. That's a minor offense in the context of some of the behavior of normal crazy people. And by the way, when a load of normal crazy people get together, they cause wars, they cause revolutions, they cause all kinds of mayhem in the world. And you don't have to look far for the proof of that at this moment in time. You can't trust any of those people. Now, there is quite a substantial possibility that you've never met anybody in your life that you could trust. The statistics are heavily weighted against the probability of that actually happening. Obviously, you can't trust your conceptual self. This is the person who is at every turn in every moment during the course of the day trying to trip you up so that you don't go outside your comfort zone. You don't leave the herd of normal crazy people because in evolutionary times to leave the herd push you in danger and compromised your ability to survive. You're actually wired to stay in your comfort zone regardless of how awful that comfort zone might actually be. You're wired to stay in your box. You're wired to not change any aspect of your life. You're wired to achieve none of your goals and objectives. And if that isn't blunt, I don't know what is. How can that be? It is simply by virtue of the fact that the conceptual self that is hell-bent that's actually probably just about the height of it, hell-bent on you making it through the day, will walk over and crush all your dreams underfoot in the pursuit of your own survival. I don't apologise for being as blunt as that actually came out. So you can't trust your conceptual self. This is the person who has been your constant travelling companion since you were 12 or 13. This is the person who was formed by the things that were done to you, not for you, by the things that were done to you when you were young and impressionable, when you were soaking up everything that was going on around you like a sponge. Without any discernment, you had no filter. You didn't know which psychological snapshots, which is the way we learn, were good for you to take or bad for you to take. So you took the lot of them. But because of the way our survival mechanism kicks into play, 
the negative psychological snapshots that you took when you were young and impressionable are the ones that are preeminent and most frequently used by your conceptual self in your adult life every day. You don't want to push them away. You don't want to fight with your conceptual self. You just want to let it bugger off. Now, that's not bad language, so nobody's going to pick me up on that. But again, it is blunt language. You need to let your thinking mind go away. It's as simple as that. And it actually is as simple as that, because all you need to do to allow your thinking mind go away is practice being present. To put it bluntly, practice experiencing the reality of your life right now. Now, there's only one scientifically validated way that you can do that, and that is by meditating, because meditating is a practice. It's a training. That's all it is. It is a practice whereby you pay attention to one or more of your five senses. If you're doing a breathing meditation, you're paying attention to your sense of feeling. If you're doing a listening meditation, clearly you are using your auditory system to experience what is going on in the moment. It is that simple. I could stop everything now if you were to take my word for it, but people don't because it is to the thinking mind, and bear in mind the thinking mind is your conceptual self, to the thinking mind that's far too simple. Surely life is more complicated than that. The short answer to is life more complicated than that is no. Life is dead simple. Life is alive simple, actually. Life is so simple. It's only our thinking minds that complicate it. And then having complicated, we think to ourselves, oh, aren't we really clever to be able to negotiate this minefield every day? A minefield created by our own thoughts. Utter, utter madness. Why do I say it's that simple? Because the science is clear. The science confirms again and again and again. What science am I talking about? I'm talking about cognitive psychology, and I'm most pressingly, I'm talking about neuroscience. The science is clear. When I meditate, I focus. When I meditate, I turn on the brain's center of focus, known in cognitive psychology as the attentional spotlight. That enables me be present. It, it, it is that simple. Focus is immersing myself in what's going on in the here and now and what I'm doing in the here and now. That's what focus is. As I said a few weeks ago, people have said to me over the years, oh, I'll try to focus on my goals. And I say to them, well, that's nonsensical because goals are things that haven't happened yet. And focus is a now thing. Focus means I'm immersing myself in what I'm doing now. I am in flow. I am in what athletes call the zone. And you will see athletes in the zone being fully focused just on what they're doing. And that is why they are super successful athletes. Turn on your sports channels and you'll see them from time to time. Their head and shoulders are cut above everybody else because they are present in their lives in that moment. As I said, the science is clear. Meditation turns on your attentional spotlight. It enables you focus. It restructures that part of your brain. And that part of your brain acts as 
like the conductor of an orchestra, conducting the other key components of your subcortical brain, so that as a result of regular meditation, they restructure themselves too, as a result of which we take an evolutionary quantum leap, because now we have a different shaped brain to the brain that evolution gave us. No longer are we looking at the rear view mirror or the back window of the car, we're looking not even forward. We're noticing exactly where we are in the here and now. Why is that important? Well, this is where you do what you need to do to move to the next now, to move to the nows that you want to have in your life. Now, right here, right now, is the only place and time that you can be actually, really, physically, neurally, molecularly, cellularly, super strings of energy. I know it's not a word, but here and now is the only place in time that your energy is flowing in synchronicity with the flowing energy of the universe. This is a game changer. But again, it's really simple. What are we talking about? Turning up to your own life, experiencing it in the here and now. The really important thing about that is that, as I said a minute ago, you won't need to use hindsight to figure out if something that happened in a previous now was a synchronicity. You will be so tuned in as a result of practicing turning up to your life through regular meditation that you'll know what's going on when a synchronicity slaps you across the face. What part of you will know? The part of you that you can trust. As we said a few minutes ago, there are two of you. And unfortunately, it's the fellow who's shouting loudest in your head, the bundle of thoughts, the conceptual self. That person is the one that feels realist to you because they've been making noise and rattling around in your head all of your adult life. They're not your friend. They're not even your companion. They just happen to be the fella who's there with the trip rope or the girl who's there with the trip rope every day to trip you up so you fall on your face when you try to change anything in your life or even try to do stuff that would be effortless if you stop tripping yourself up. How many times have I used the word effortless or effortlessness in these conversations over the last couple of years? The only effort in life is trying to do something through the fog of thought that constantly trips us up. If we meditate regularly, that fog lifts. That thought is gone. The conceptual self is no more. And I become acquainted with, become familiar with, the person who was there all the time. It's a bit like the notices on the railings around Fitzwilliam Square in Dublin. They were there all the time, but my friend only noticed them when he opened his eyes. When you open your eyes to experience the here and now, you'll notice who was there all the time. And this person isn't just the real you. This person isn't just something fundamentally tuned into the universe. This person is all powerful in terms of enabling your life move forward effortlessly, because this person is the person you can trust. You can trust implicitly, explicitly, completely. Even normal crazy people 
have names for this person. Some people will call it their feminine intuition. Some people will call it their gut instinct. Some people have other expressions like the fire in my belly. People actually get glimpses of this, even if they are some of the maddest people on the face of the earth, using their minds, as I said, normally. This person is inside you. This person is the source of your energy. This person is the real you. Somebody said to me, an online program owner a few weeks said to me, you used an expression in one of our Wednesday evening Zooms with my online program owners when you said that when you experience this person, it's like coming home. And they said to me, what home am I coming home to? Or who is this person? And my answer was, when you feel it, you'll know. How do you feel it? You meditate, you meditate, you meditate, and then you meditate again. What do I mean by that? I don't mean you spend your day meditating because you have loads of other things to do during the course of the day. And indeed, we only meditate so that we can actually do those other things during the course of the day and do them to the best of our ability and fully in flow and do them to the best of our ability effortlessly. What I mean by meditate, meditate and meditate is that you meditate every morning before your day gets going. Some people will start that and put it down again. Some people will be what I describe as a toe dipper. They'll dip in, they'll dip out of it again. Some people will say, ah, this isn't working. I've been meditating for six or eight weeks and I, I see no results. And the first thing I will always say to people like that is the science is clear, neuroscience tells us that after five straight mornings of meditation, your brain will have started restructuring itself. After eight weeks of meditation, your left prefrontal cortex and the key components of your subcortical brain will already have restructured themselves. So after eight weeks of regular meditation, you'll already have taken the quantum evolutionary leap that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. Sometimes it takes a little longer for that part of your brain to deliver effortless results. Sometimes it doesn't. I've seen people get effortless results within 72 hours of starting to meditate. I actually mean that. I could give you a number of examples. Indeed, we've talked about some of these real life stories in some of our previous podcast episodes. I could give you loads of examples of people who suddenly have found things falling into their lap. That's the expression that they use, or things just happening. Another expression that they use. It feels like stuff falls into their lap. It feels like things are just happening because they got out of their own way. And as a result of having got out of their own way, they took all the effort, all the anxiety, all the struggle, and all the stress out of what they had been trying to do, as a result of which, they just did exactly what they needed to do in the right way at the right time for things to fall into their lap. Yes, your ability to live your life to the full is staring you in the face. It's between your two ears. It's the person who's been there all the time, suppressed by the noise in your own head. Yes, Letting that person out will enable you live your life to the full in ways that your thinking mind couldn't imagine. And yes, it is as easy as meditating every morning. I was going to say I'm sick saying this. I'm not. 
I've been saying it for 28 years and I say it to people every day of the week, but I'm not sick saying it. I am delighted to be able to say it here again in this podcast episode, because if another person gets the message, if another penny drops as a result of my saying that, isn't that cool? You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-hall.ie.